evening, everyone, and welcome to the Legion with Live stream. Episode number 227, the 24th of August, 2019. That's right, while you marry men, ring the bells, sing the cheers. It's time to sing your favorite Legion carols with I, Alex Garthon Marsh, and Brett Heathen Dog Grissomer. Hello, everyone. I hope we find you well in this beautiful evening. It, indeed, uh, it, is, it is a beautiful evening, I think. Well, depending where you are in your situation. But for us, it's pretty beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah. And we hope it. that by seeing us, your evening, or whatever you choose to view this, is better in some margin. True. I know I feel better just seeing your smiling face, Mr. Heathen Dog. Aww. Makes, makes, me, uh, makes me feel all good inside to know there's someone out there like you. <laughs> you can draw conclusions out of that, whatever you want. Remember, kids, you can always, if nothing else, serve as a bad example to others. Yeah. You know? It's like, well, at least I'm not doing that. Which, of course, is what Heathen Dog does to me every week. He calls me up and says, so, Garthon, what you doing today? I'm working. Okay, I'm doing better than you. Yep, better than that. And then yep, he hangs I'm up like... on me. Yep. And I was like, oh. All I need is my daily affirmation that my life is better than Garthon's. Yep. And everything is just roses and sunshine. Yep, yep. He'll call me at like 2 p.m. Hey, hey, Garthon, you drunk right now? Like, no. All right, sweet. And then he hangs up on me. <laughs> Click. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how life goes for us both so have you done anything interesting recently mr heathen dog i did i was just talking uh earlier that uh that i went to uh vacation with my wife's extended family in uh, new jersey to the, to the shore that's the shore where the rich and famous go yeah that's it gleaming sun-drenched pristine beaches of new jersey wildwood new jersey yep that's what i hear yeah, uh, my my sister in law's friend has a uh, has a uh, a property there that she Airbnbs during oh. during the summer, and we got it for the friends and family discount rate. So there. that's why we went there. There you go. Sounds good. Yeah, sounds... it was a condo. It was nice. Yeah, it sounds reasonably priced. Well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't pay for it. I so didn't pay um... for it. well, it's reasonable for you. <laughs> it's re- very reasonable for me. But uh, yeah, I don't no, know. you can have some fun. You know, go out and see the sights. It was the the boardwalk was fun, and uh, uh, we went to an aquarium on the boardwalk, which was super shady, and I'm pretty sure illegal in several aspects. Uh, for one thing, hey kid, you want to pet a dolphin? <laughs> basically, no, no, they they weren't even up to the dolphin level. Uh, they, they had, I swear to God, they had a, uh, a hedgehog there, a hedgehog in the aquarium. In the aquarium, they had a hedgehog and a what? And lemurs. And lemurs at the aquarium. Yeah. For, I, I'm not an expert on lemurs or hedgehogs, but I'm fairly certain they are not even, say, partially aquatic. Not amphibious. Don't not amphibious. forget about the what um, Hang on. albino raccoon. Oh, there was also an albino raccoon, which, which our theory is that it was just in the dumpsters out back. They caught it and said, <laughs> and said F it, let's put it in a cage. Put it on exactly. stage. Exactly. It's, it's a, at, at that point it is now a PT Barnum uh, style freak show. Yeah. Pretty much at that point. Yeah. Oh. So we, we paid what, like five bucks a piece. Yeah. It was about five, five bucks a piece to get fleeced. Basically. Sounds sounds worth the price though, honestly. Sure. Just for the sure. memories of. Remember we went to the aquarium and we saw a raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> the albino raccoon. Yeah, you see, I I live in Virginia Beach. When you go to the aquarium here, they got dolphins and star sharks and stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, this one, that kind. Yeah, you could pet rays, you know. They got real aquariums because we're at a real beach. Well, no, it's a real beach. Calm well, down. technically, water does meet sand. Water meets sand at this place. So uh, okay, I guess it's a beach. It meets the criteria. I mean, anything. I living, didn't find anything, a single needle. Does they? <laughs> you only found a single one. No, I didn't find a single oh. needle or or a pipe of any kind. Congratulations. Yes. So you know, fun. That's. And, I would uh, call that a win on any family vacation. My and w- one more story about that. My son. This is the first time he's seen the ocean in person. And we walked up to it, and there's seagulls everywhere because, you know, it's yeah, the ocean. Yeah. And he stopped, and he's like, I don't want to get attacked. It's like, do you have any food? No. Then they're going to leave you alone. Don't worry about it. They <laughs> but only if care you have about food, food. If they have food, they will snatch it right out of your hand. Just yeah, they snatch. will. He's like, oh, okay. And then he went in. And then he was, like, and then he was fine. They but uh, at first he, saw, he saw all the seagulls, and it's like he never saw Hitchcock's bird, so I don't know why he was so scared. But <laughs> well, you see the thing swarm, man. Yeah. I saw yeah. a documentary where this – uh, seaside town in England had a huge problem with seagulls, like snatching the fish and chips out of people's hands all the time. Mm-hmm. So they bought these animatronic falcons that would sit up on top of the buildings, like flap their wings and scrawl, 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 right? And it would scare the hell of seagulls, and they ran away. And then they didn't want to pay for the upkeep and maintenance on them. So the company was telling the eagles, said, All right, we're not doing it then. They said, we don't care, whatevs. They broke. They couldn't get to a contract agreement. They're like, whatever. And the seagulls fare pretty quickly. Oh, these guys are fake. So after they spent a ton of money to fix them months later, the seagulls are like, work. we know they're fake now. And they, they don't care anymore. Now they perked on top of them. So it's just as bad, but they're out thousands of dollars. Well, pounds, because yep. it's England. Well, yeah, you know. it's England. Yeah, they're out thousands because they didn't want to pay for maintenance. Good job, guys. And they still got seagulls. Yep. So lesson for anyone, pay your damn maintenance contracts. Just saying. There it is. And that, I don't say that just because my job relies on people paying for their maintenance contracts. <laughs> uh, not self-serving. I don't. I don't make hawks to scare seagulls. Nope. Not your racket. But it could. But be. the things we do. Yes, among is, our rackets are today's segments. In Heathen Dog, see the dog, the enemy on the stream. He has. If it's for my daughter, I'd even defeat a demon lord. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said that too. Fortunately, you know, we don't have any demon lords around. Yeah, yeah. And C-Lab 2021. Who in the chat knows C-Lab 2021? That that would be something. That would be something because it's uh, it came out, what, 95? Something? I thought it was later than that. Could have been later than that. It's your segment. You should know. You're probably right. Um, oh, no, 2000. No, I, I remember. I remember the, the, the makers, uh, Adam Reed and Matt Thompson, when they worked for Cartoon Network... In 95, they thought of it, pitched it, they, they said no, and then five years later, when they worked on Adult Swim, they pitched it again, and Adult Swim said, yeah, we want that, and there it is. And the rest is history. That's right. In Garthon's comic poll, we're talking about Dr. Afro number 35, the superior Spider-Man, numeral 10, and powers of 10, number 3. The Roman numeral makes it classy. That's true, yeah. And the RNG this week, what's on my mind is Fire Emblem Three Houses is too damn easy. Get off my lawn. It is. Dang it. All right, and we'll talk about that later in the RNG. But for right now, we're not going to talk about that. No, no, no. no. We're going to calm down. And we're going to talk about Gen Con 2020, because 2020 yeah. is coming soon. You might not believe in linear time, 
but it believes in you, my friend, and it will come to catch you. Unless you are a fourth dimensional being able to escape the bounds of it, if, in which case, welcome to the live stream. But... Mr. Mr. Mixelpidelic. Thank you, yeah. You know, if you're Q, but you already have seen the end of the live stream, so, you know. Or Dr. Manhattan. But if you're... Barring those entities, it's coming. Ticket registration is in January of 2020. The activity sign-up is in May of 2020. The event is in August of 2020. Start planning now because Legion Myth is going to be there. That's right. We are going to be there. The money is set aside. The planning has been made. Vacation plans are in order. My wife is antagonizing me saying, well, if you're going to Gen Con, I'm taking my own trip to Disney World. with." And I'm like, well, you and the kids are leaving me? She's like, no, just me. I'm like, oh, man. Wow. Leave me alone really? with the kids while you go to the happiest place on earth. She's like, and wow. I'm going to be drunk, and it's going to be the happiest place on earth for me. It's like, well, great. Wow. That, yeah. that, mm, that, that's got red flags all over it. Nah, it's normal. But I'm <laughs> telling you, I'm giving up a Disney vacation to be there with the Legion of Myth at Gen Con 2020 for you. That's what I've given up, my friend. Well, it didn't exist until you decided to go to Gen Con, so it's more like it's the cost of doing business. <laughs> <laughs> Some, something on those lines. So you okay. should be there. You should join us. You should commiserate. You should commensurate. You should all do all these things. You should stop, commiserate, and listen. Because Gen Con is coming with its brand new inventions. He the dog at Garth will grab a hold of you tightly. And we'll be like gaming daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Well, I don't know. Why did I do that? So, you got that heathen dog? You know where it's coming from. You know where that is. It's, it's a song. I do recognize it, but I uh, don't. It's a song. You won't even say its name. No. Don't hate. Because I don't. Because I've forgotten. You've forgotten Ice Ice Baby. Ah, there it is. Yep. The seminal work. The seminal work of, of an artist. Vanilla yeah. Ice. I forgot sure. his real name. Robert Van Winkle. There you go. That song's actually very gangsta. If you didn't know, there's yeah. usually a verse they cut out nowadays. But there's a, a verse where he describes, you know, rolling down and grabbing his nine millimeter and shells hitting the ground. So. Just so yeah, you know, he was hard. When, when, yeah, when, when you think hard, you think... You think you hardcore, know, you think yeah. Robert Van Winkle. Word. <laughs> Vanilla ice. Word to your Word mother. to your mother. <laughs> All right, so join our Gen Con discussions. Not our Vanilla Ice discussions. Word, let's get out of here. Streaming schedule. Right. Elgarian, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m., Shroud of the Avatar. Be there. Mondays, 6.30 p.m., Left for Dead with Heathen Dog. Very fun. Be there. Tuesday through Sunday at 6.30 p.m. He's also doing Shroud the Avatar. He's doing Shroud the Avatar almost every day. Um, afternoon schedule varies. It depends on the heat in his home. That's right. Because he lives in a place where they don't have central air. That's right. But the winter is coming, and then he'll be locked in by the snowdrifts, and you will get even true. more Shroud the Avatar. That's true. Yeah. Shroud all day, all night, because it's either that or shovel snow. That's right. And don't forget go. about, if you are role-playing within Shroud of the Avatar, the premier website for role-playing within Shroud of the Avatar, rpota.com. And if you are playing Shroud of the Avatar and you need help, you're like, I don't understand, go to sodahelp.org, the premier site for help within Shroud of the Avatar. He the Dog streams Monday through Friday at 10 a.m., seven days to die, on his channel, twitch.tv. He's on! Hey! Slash he the now, Dog. Now, about that, uh, I, I try to do it every day, but this last couple weeks, something has always gotten in the way. I didn't mean that to rhyme. But uh, ne next week, the week after this next one, my son is hey, starting school again. So everything's going to be kosher of all that time. And I'll be more, much more regular. Excellent. That's right. Life brand flakes have entered his world. That's right. Left for Dead, 6.30 p.m. Monday with Ethan, with Algarian. We said that. Thursday, 8.30 p.m. Central, Imperial Galactic Survival with 
me, and others. That's right, you the Legion of Members can join us in Empyrean if you own the game and you are a subscriber. You can get into our server and have wacky hijinks with us or by yourself on our server. Heathen Dog server, not ours, his. Saturday, 8 p.m., 9 Eastern, the, the premier site to see Heathen Dog and Garthon together. I'll say it's the premier. It's <laughs> right here, right now, the Legion with live stream. Hey, Mark Hawkman, good to see you. You're here, you're joining us, that's great. As Sundays, Garthon is streaming Final Fantasy 3 from his old Super NES. And you can see it live on Twitch, 9 p.m. Sometimes a little earlier. Central time. Thursday, 8th. We already know about that. And we already, already know about, about that. that. Next. Next. Remember, join us on Discord. Watch us on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Chiefs the Myth. Follow us on Twitter at Legion with Tweet us. We'll tweet you back. We've been doing lots of tweeting. And also sure. watch us live on Twitch. Best way to interact. Good times. Get our gear. Shop.spreadshirt.com slash Legion of Myth. We're both sporting our gear today. Very nice. Yes, we are. Current goals. Try to get a thousand follower goals. We did that. That's yep. awesome. So we're going to have a prize for that coming soon. Uh, Twitch no, we, we did that already. We, we did the follower goal. Did didn't we? we? Yeah, we did. Sure. Yeah, we. I think we did. I don't think we did. I think we did. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But, what, right. but what, what does matter is our subscriber goal. Uh, we had it. We had it. Our Twitch subscriber. We, we had it. Then it went it. back down. That's okay. And we lost it. That's okay. If we get it for We need two three more months and this it's year. locked in forever. That's yes. right. That's right. Need two more this year. We could do it. YouTube subscribers, trying to 1500. We're up again. We're getting closer every single week. Yes, we week. are. And our Patreon goal is trying to hold the steady, which is good. We'd like to get higher, but it's good. So thank you very much. If we meet all these goals, we'll have a special event where we give away. Well, every time we meet a goal, we have a special giveaway, especially for that venue. Games, gift cards, all sorts of stuff. Our, if we hit all four goals and hold them for three months, we'll give away over $1,000 in prizes, including an epic portrait done like by me, a mm -hmm. Plux server given you by Heathen Dog. So let's mm -hmm. get those Twitch subs back up. Let's all do it. So tell everyone, friends, family, enemies, anyone who has their Twitch Prime account, 12 of them to use that thing. We have over four years of content, the live stream alone, anime, games, comics, nerd stuff, all reviews. All knowledge, all sucked right directly into your brains. We have daily Twitch streams with Amazing Soda Contract, 7 Final Fantasy 3 slash 6 in other countries. Uh, YouTube videos, playthroughs of games, including Yakuza Kiwami and all sorts of other stuff. Uh, live stream segments, tabletop RPG unboxing fundamentals, team-ups, lots of things. So be there. And it's because of your generous contributions we're able to do this. Thank you so much, everyone. We realize we appreciate it. Uh, Patreon Twitch supporters, Gary M, Illuminati level. Thank you so much. Brian H. and Sheriff, the Ward level. Reese, Novice, thank you, everyone. Our top and cheers is still Zahn. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. And give sub Zahn, who is insane. And we love him for it. Thank you so much. Thank you all for subscribers. It really is fun talking to everyone. Really enjoy hanging out with you guys and getting this stuff gone, uh, going. Ready system. Half star. Horrible. Five star. Awesome. Disclaimer. All right, full screen. Important there stuff. Important. Important. The opinions expressed in this episode are solely the opinions of the individual host or commentator and are not representative of the entire Legion of Myth organization. While we make an effort to provide a family-friendly atmosphere, there may be the occasional use of foul or even offensive language. Thank you for understanding and continued viewership. Oh no. You ever do something, then you realize you did it? But then you didn't do it, but you did done did it because you had other things going on. That, nope, I don't know what you're talking about. Ah, uh, you're a superior individual, my friend. Okay.
I gotta or, find. Or I just thing. don't understand. All right, all right, we're starting. Okay. If you're a fan of anime, tabletop gaming, or both, don't miss an episode of Heathen Dogs, Heathen Dogma. Every week, Heathen Dog alternates between anime reviews and tabletop gaming fundamentals. Watch live and chat with Heathen Dog every Saturday at 8 p.m. Central Time to share your thoughts and recommendations with him. Now, without further ado, everyone, I want you to cast your minds back through the blackness of your innermost brain stems. For deep within all of us, we carry the primal memories of those who came before us. For my friends, I have a truth to tell you today. Evolution is a force that is very real. And is it a force? You, my friend, you are in control of it. Yes, my friends, for I have learned this sacred truth and I pass it on to you. Every experience you have is locked within your memories. Your memories are but a way of storing data on a molecular level. This molecular level actually impacts your DNA. Your memories, my friends, are written into your very DNA. Thus are the memories of all the ancestors before you. And all the so-called junk DNA you carried you is but the falderall of generations upon generations going back through the effluvia of the millennia to when you were but a prehistoric protozoa, my friends. You have the ability to call upon the power and knowledge of that and in fact, shape your progeny by the knowledge you attain now. So, my friends, I want you to cast your minds back with me into the very darkness, the blackness within. Look, look upon with the light of your current knowledge, of your current power, my friends. Grab a hold of it. Shape that darkness within you. Mold it into the luminous, perfect being you wish to become and wish to create upon the world. And I tell you, breathe in. Breathe in, my friends. Breathe in that light and breathe it out and give it name and with name you give it life heathen dogs anime on the stream well thank you very much garthon hello everyone glad you're here today subscribe. we have subscribe you did you didn't scare me that time that's good i was gentle but uh, if you want to subscribe that's great because today i got two anime i'm going to talk about the first one is called if it's for my daughter i'd even defeat a demon lord did i miss a slide nope nope there you go you're good you're fine. Now, this one is uh, no one, no no one viewing this. No, almost no one viewing this is old enough. But uh, at the end of at the end of the eight episodes that are currently out, I went and said, "Okay, where's the beef?" <laughs> that was a great story. Where's where's the beef? And I'm going to explain that when I get into it. Now, uh, the story is about Dale, uh, pictured here with uh, with a little girl. Now he finds this little girl, and he takes her in. This little girl is a devil. Which, which is a race in this in this world. He's and, an adventurer. Often happens in anime. Often happens, and he's an adventurer. He takes her in because her her family's dead. She has no village to go back to. She was just wandering the forest like nothing. So he takes her in, and it's all about her fitting into the human society stuff like that, and growing up as a person, learning new things, and Dale growing as a person as well. Since he's like a mid twenties confirmed bachelor, but he could he just couldn't leave her in the forest to die. Yeah, he's got a whole, he's got a heart. Yeah, so. It starts off like that. So let's let's go to the details. And uh, as you can see, it uh, started July 4th of this year. So like I said, out of 12 episodes that are going to be in the season, only eight have dropped so far. And uh, yeah, if you want to, you can check it out on Crunchyroll. If you want to, first, listen to the review. All right. First, our main character, Dale. Like I said, he's an adventurer for hire. That's how he makes money. All right. Now, he's he's pretty good. All right, he's very good. If you wanted uh, D and D terms, uh, he's a dual class fighter magic user, and humans 
That's usually like second edition D and D terms. Yeah, which is what I play because it's the best one, obviously. <laughs> obviously, and it's uh, a debate for another time. It's not a debate, but uh, which is really really powerful because most humans can't use magic. They can use magical items, but they can't cast spells. They're not actual wizards or warlocks or whatever you want to call them. All right, so so Dale is very gifted, and plus with his with his fighter background, he is real tough in a fight. So he doesn't get hired by people. He gets hired hired by companies, governments. He gets he gets fat loot. All right, and yeah, he's well good. renowned. Yes, okay. He's the most powerful adventure in adventure in the area, and the the uh, town of Cruz is the second largest town in the country. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's it's it was the old capital up until a hundred years ago when the capital moved. So he he's not in some podunk place where oh you could be second level and be, be, be considered the bee's knees. No, no, he he's not in he's not some podunk place. He's in a big city, and he's still the greatest guy around. Now he lives above a tavern because he's a bachelor. Who cares? You know he he lives in the in the spare room uh, above a tavern. It's fine. It's cheap. You know he does he gets to save all of his money. And uh, the, the the tavern folk are pretty cool. It, it's an adventurer tavern, you know. Like uh, the you know, if, if you have a tavern near the wharf, you have a dockman or dock workers tavern, yeah, you yeah. know. So it's like that, you know. This is the adventurer's tavern. So he's got, you know, he gets along with everyone around here. Now, uh, work for him is plentiful. He's out for days at a time, doing job after job. He gets he gets his pick of jobs since he's he's the best around. He gets to say yes, gets to say no, gets to name his price. It's all good. Now, one day he's coming home from a job. And he sees this little girl just dressed in rags, all dirty and emaciated. And, uh, well, his heart kind of goes out. You know, it's like, uh, this little girl, I can't leave her. She's a devil, true. But that doesn't mean she's bad. Just means she's not my race, right? Well, let's look at the girl. The girl is Latina. And that's that's not her ethnicity. That's her name. It's Japan. And- Give him a break. Exactly. Dale quickly discovers these two things. One, the girl is all alone. Her her father died in the woods, and this was really heartbreaking. The last thing her father said to her before she, before he died was, "You can't stay near my body. It's too dangerous. You have to go away." Ouch. Because the his body when he dies is going to attract wild animals. Uh, fair enough. And uh, this it was just heartbreaking. And she only speaks devil. Now, the cool thing is that the language of magic that humans use is based on the devil language because devils have an affinity for magic. They basically invented it because they had such a such an easy time of it. Could. Yeah, because they could. So uh, so he he he's a magic user. He's a wizard. So he can speak some devil because they have they have common roots. Basically, the yeah, language says it's like in species. They're not born evil. They just have scary powers. There you go. Now, uh, like I said, the devil race is a natural one in this world. It's not some supernatural race from another dimension, like like in most uh, most anime or games or whatever. Uh, they they are they are part of the natural order of this world. They have several differences than humans, but most mostly they look the same. As you can see, the girl here, the obvious difference is she has horns. That is really the only obvious physical difference between devils and humans. Now, the not so obvious ones are they have an affinity for magic. Uh, she's, she's what, six years old and she can, she can use simple healing spells. And for a human being, you have to be, you have to train for years to do that simple healing spell and like years and years, like five, 10 years to do, be able to do that. Uh, and, uh, devils live over twice as long as humans. Oh, good for them. So they have a lifespan of between 180 to 220 years 
is how long they live. And most of that time is in their prime. That's convenient. It would suck to spend 80 years all wrinkled. Exactly, right? That would that would blow. No, no. Most of it is in their prime. It's like the, the last 20 years is when they're considered elderly. And they, they're having trouble getting around and whatnot. Now, of course, he's not going to leave her to die. So he takes her home. He, he t- takes her into town, takes her to the tavern. Everyone in the tavern sees her like, yeah, it's the devil. Oh, my God, that kid is cute. And uh, she she starts, she's extremely polite. She always bows and says, please and thank you. And at first, in, in devil, obviously. And uh, uh, Dale has to translate as best he can. But everyone, everyone falls in love with her because she's just cool. She's just a, a cool little kid. Just the cutest little kid. Yeah, cutest little kid ever. Cool little kid. Gets along with everyone. Doesn't make waves. Pulls her weight. It's a good deal, right? Good deal for everybody around. It is. Now, talking about everybody around, there's Kenneth. Kenneth is the tavern owner of the tavern where Dale lives, right? He lives above the tavern. This is the ocean. Now, he's a good-natured dude. He's, he's, he's a good guy. He's a, I believe he's a former adventurer. He retired, and now he has this adventurer's tavern. Awesome. Great. He's the cook. Uh, he, uh, he's, he also cleans but before and after shifts, stuff like that. And when Dale comes back with, with Latina, he helps take care of her when he has to go out. You know, and make money. Adventure, right? You got to work. Exactly. You got to work. I mean, you, you, you can't take care of a little girl if you're not making any money. So that's how it is. Uh, does he do windows? <laughs> what else says? It's usually a separate thing. Yeah. No, uh, there, this is a two-person operation, this tavern. So he does, he's got a lot of hats. Cleaning's one of them. So I'm sure he does do windows. Yeah. Uh, he teaches Latina to to clean, to uh, be a be a kind of a waitress she can't carry full plates but she can carry empty plates back to the kitchen and starts teaching her how to cook she's a really quick study on pretty much everything all right so that's that's his job he's he's doing the whole like domestic thing with her now his wife rita so the next slide uh is co-owner of the tavern she does half of everything else she handles the bar during during the day she she restocks it she goes out for supplies of the bar at night or in the morning, sorry. And uh, she may do the windows. I don't know. I don't know how their cleaning labor is divvied up. I, I don't know that. Now, she's the one who convinced... De- hey, Duncan. She's the one who convinced Dale to keep Latina. All right. Now, because apparently in, in this in this world, well, maybe not the world, but in this town, the orphanages suck. Uh, it would, they're, they're constantly underfunded. And there is a, a racism component with, with human culture against devils. Now, this isn't exactly one that is uh, has no value. I mean, I don't want to say value, but no no evidence to support it. Because uh, every 30, 40 years or so, maybe less, uh, humans and devils just have war. Well, you got to do something. Yeah. So uh, there, there's, there's cause. All right? There's cause. Now... Uh, she helps Dale with his newfound father duties, like, uh, you know, girl stuff, stuff that Dale would know anything about. We all know what that stuff is. I'm not going to say it, but uh, all, all the girl stuff like, you know, he, he she had to teach Dale how to do her hair. And she did it in a way to hide the horns where she had two. She has two pigtails come out right here that that her horns are underneath the pigtails. So she doesn't have to be a devil, you know, outright in case, you know, the racism thing crops its ugly head. And other stuff, you know, what clothing to get, what, you know, what sleepwear, stuff like that. You know, Rita's there to help her out, to help him out. Now, we can look at our next slide and you're thinking, heathen dog, 
you uh yeah i think you forgot a slide there my friend you forgot a slide you, that, that looks like the that looks like your template well you hacked into our google our, our google slides good good for you and yes this is my template and i left it here on purpose because we are eight episodes in out of 12 and they have yet to reveal an actual antagonist now there has been there have been people outside of episode three which is usually what i go up to but there have there have been uh, two guys who tried to kidnap Latina to sell her into slavery because she's a devil. That was quickly thwarted. That was maybe a quarter of an episode. That sounds like a bad idea. Yeah, it was a bad idea because everyone in the adventurer bar loves the hell out of her. You got those powerful adventure of the area calling it exactly. for his daughter. So that's not smart. Exactly. Yeah, it's not smart at all. It's not smart at all. And uh, let's see. There was one episode where she, she starts going to school at the temple because religious school is the only school they have. And uh, the the teacher, the initial teacher at the, at the class found out she was a devil and uh, started like hitting her and stuff or being mean to her because uh, that sounds uh, dumb too. Well, in the last war, her entire family was murdered in the in the in the war with the with, with the, devils. the devils. So, again, she had beef, not with a little kid but beef with devils in, in general. But she was uh, quickly removed from her post because apparently what we don't know is that Dale uh, has this, uh, has this medal that is, is given by, by the king, by the king of the country, the, the, the Royal family. And uh, it's very much like a medal of honor. You know, when you have it, people are like, Oh snap, he's no joke. So he, he brings out this medal. He, it basically gives him carte blanche to like, say I could do anything I want. So he's like, I, I want this. I want this lady fired and punished to the fullest extent of the church. And like, well, we like to do it another way. I don't care what you like. You do it now. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so that's what happened. But there is no actual antagonist yet. Again, eight episodes in out of twelve. Yeah, you no think antagonist. That, that the title would kind of imply that the uh, great there's a demon lord going to be popping out sooner or later, and maybe, maybe it is. Maybe yep. there is a demon lord to be fought. It's just I would have liked to have some hints about it, him or her. Right. I would have I liked mean, to have some foreshadowing would be great. If her father was actually the rightful heir to like the, the demon throne and yeah. she's the threat to his power. Yeah. That'd be nice to have a hint of that now. That'd be, that would be great to know. That would be, that'd be great to know, but nothing, no real antagonist at all anywhere, which sucks, which is why I only gave it three stars. <gasps> now that's not bad. What I liked about it, the premise is it's not, it's not novel. I mean, this this whole premise is not novel, but the the way they the way they did it is interesting. That where they they uh, they brought in the the racism stuff, but all of the people you're supposed to like are not affected by that. Even Dale, who fought who fought uh, and not only in wars against devils, but he constantly gets contracts against devil bandits and has to kill them, and they, and they try and kill him. But he's still he's still like, oh, devil is just is just a dude. you know, uh, humans are bad too. Shut up. I mean, come on. That's true. That's the way it is. The animation is very solid. When uh, when when Dale goes to fight, all of his animation is crisp. It's clean. There's no blurred motion. There there's no uh, there's no body morphing. Nothing like that. It's good. There's not a whole lot of action, but when there is, it's solid. And the supporting characters, because there's no antagonist, this this uh, story is extremely well written, because that's all they had time to do apparently. They filled it up with story. So all the supporting characters, even ones who only show up for a day, one episode, they're very well written. They're very fleshed out. You understand all of their all of their uh, motivations be, and you get them. That's great. Now, what I don't like about it is 
It's taken a long time to get to the antagonist. Haven't gotten there yet. The very last episode, there's a hint. A hint, not of an antagonist, but of, of Latina's background. There's a hint. But that's it. Other than that, we don't even have an overall plot. It's just her learning to be a devil in a human society. That's not that's not a plot. That's a lifetime movie. All right. I'm sorry. Uh, you got to have a reason for this, and they haven't got any reasons on on the screen yet. So they lost a they lost a, a one and a half stars for these two. Just. You know, it, I was going to be a four and a half. You had an antagonist and a, and a well-defined plot. This thing is a four and a half easy. But wow. it lost all, it lost all that stuff, so it went down to three. I still recommend watching it. You're not going to waste your time. It is a good anime, but if you're looking for a lot of fights or or you're, you're looking for foreshadowing on what the end game is going to be, keep looking because you're not going to find it yet. And that's it. So uh, That sounds uh, interesting. Oh, you're welcome. What do you think of this segment? What do you think about interspecies adoption? Well, I have three cats, so I guess I'm for it. You're for it. There you go. Uh, you have any suggestions for my next anime? Garthon already gave me one. Mao Yu, which came out as Hulu, right? Or is it Crunchyroll? It's on Crunchyroll. It's on Crunchyroll. Okay. So Mao Yu is one I'm doing week after next, uh, but I do too. So if you have another uh, another uh, idea, go and hit me up. It has to be on either Netflix, Hulu, or Crunchyroll. Next anime, Netflix, Evangel. I'm never doing Evangelion, and I'm never doing... Uh, what's the other one? Dragon Ball. No, no. I, one I, Piece. I did. No. Oh, I'm blanking on it. I'm blanking on it. No, the 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 one that that's an that's an existential crisis waiting to happen, where the the, the kids were tested and became super psychokinetic. Uh, Tetsuo was the bad guy at the end. Oh, talking about Akira. Akira, yes. I'm never doing Evangelion. I'm never doing Akira because I could never explain those damn things in a day, let alone 15 minutes. It's never going to happen, well, especially with Akira. You got to read the book three times to right, watch the anime. The anime doesn't it. explain anything. Yeah, the anime doesn't doesn't do crap. And Evangelion, the end is a giant crap show. I mean, it is it is a it is just a, a friggin' nightmare to navigate and make any sense of. So no, never doing that. Never doing those two, ever. Did they do everything with the OVA for Akira? No. Um. They did OVA for Evangelion. Tried to make a better ending. I don't think they did it. That's what I hear a lot of people say now. Not just a crap show, a giant crap show. Giant crap show, that's right. All right, so we hope you enjoyed this segment. Thanks for watching, and remember, be a legionnaire. All right, next up is C-Lab 2021. Now, before you say it, yes, I know it's not an anime. It's not an anime. It it's is not. animated, though. It is animated. It's a cartoon. Yes, you are correct, fine viewer. It is just a cartoon, but it is a very special cartoon. This, this cartoon is based on C-Lab 2020, an old Hanna-Barbera cartoon in the 70s that died quickly because it was in an environmental protection-themed cartoon. And it was boring. In the 70s. It was boring. I remember it, being a kid in the 80s and seeing C-Lab 2020. And it was awful. It was boring. It was awful. Plus, you know, you want you want environmentalism to, to push kids environmentalism in a, in a time when they were like, oh, man, gas is literally 12 cents a gallon. 
Sorry. You know what? I would watch this show that go outside in 1982, smoke a cigarette, and, and burn down some trees just because. There you go. Okay, I didn't do those things. But okay, so, I anyway, wanted to. That's true. What they did was they took C-Lab 2020, took all the animation, re- cut it up, redid all of the dialogue, and where they had to, they made their own animation in the same style and made absolutely new stories. And the stories they made are incredible. Very strange. And awful. And awful at the same time, really depending on your, uh, I guess, sat- uh, level of satire lovingness. Anyway, let's look at the C-Lab details. Uh, as you can see, it ran from December 21st, 2000 to April 24th, to April 24th 2005 for a total of 42 episodes that includes the unaired pilot which i couldn't find but you can find the rest of them on hulu right now okay mar hogman says it's like with captain planet it's massively overblown because it'd be boring otherwise exactly yes Duncan captain didn't know planet. there was a tw- sea live 2020 you didn't know really no, a oh, lot wow. of people yeah. didn't know that that was oh. taken from a, a real okay. series yes yeah, so th- this this was the time where adult swim uh was was into taking old 70s animation and repurposing them all for their own shows like uh, space ghost coast to coast was one of them they they redid everything uh they you know they retooled the animation it was a fun show it was cool and of course c lab and i think there was another one using the herculoids but i don't know the herculoids you remember the herculoids i love the herculoids yeah i thought there was another another one using the herculoids animation but I can't, I can't recall the name or even if it's just in my head. I think that's just in but your head. That could be. Could be. Anyway, talking C-Lab. And when we're talking C-Lab, we are talking Captain Hazel, Hank Murphy. All right. I think you like the original Space Ghost better. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Space Ghost was good. Okay. He's the captain of the C-Lab. Now, he has qualifications. He has none. He's not qualified to be the captain of a dinghy let alone an undersea environmental research station. All right, but there he is. He's completely incapable to the point of dangerously incompetent. His orders routinely get the station blown up or people killed and both. Easily. But the thing is, the crew still follow his orders because he is the captain. Oops. And for some reason, the chain of command is very important to people, even though even when they know that this order is going to get him killed. Now, the Admiral Quinn of Space Lab. It's true. Now, uh, things you need to know about about uh, Captain Murphy is he has a deep-seated fear of doppelgangers. This comes up in a couple of episodes. If he thinks you're a doppelganger, he will try and kill you. And, yeah. and, he's, and he has a fear of flashlights. Because who does Why? I don't know. He just has a fear of flashlights. That's the way it is. Anyway. Next, we have... Dr. Quentin Q. Quinn, Triple Q. He is the C-Lab science officer. He's uh, he's He wears all kinds of hats because he has an IQ of 260 and multiple PhDs. So he's the general science officer and he's head of every specific science department because he has degrees in every single one of them. Fair enough. Okay, He is usually in the show the lone voice of reason that no one listens to nobody of course nobody ever listens to him he's the man with the plan nobody ever follows the plan no one ever follows the sensible person no in the first episode he revealed that he is a cyborg he made himself a robot body 
that he invented when he was a kid because his body was frail. And uh, I believe he said that it couldn't handle the the uh, 21st century viruses and bacteria that were about. So he had to make his own body. Fair enough. And and he has a physical, intimate relationship with White Debbie. All right. White Debbie is important because there are two Debbies. One Debbie is African-American and one Debbie is Caucasian. So the African-American Debbie is called Debbie and the Caucasian Debbie is called White Debbie. All right. Fair enough. There you go. Now, uh, I can't go through all the characters. I'm only going through three. And this one is my favorite. Marco Rodrigo Diaz de Vivar Gabriel Garcia Marquez, or just Marco. He is voiced by Eric Estrada. That's awesome. Which, which is fun. And there's lots, there's lots of chips references in this thing. So get ready for that. He is the station's mechanical engineer. Uh, he's prone to violence because he is huge and it's suspected he takes steroids. Uh, well, his violence, he, go, he goes, he, he has violent operas to defend the crew and sometimes against the crew if they piss him off too much, which is understandable because this crew is a crew of idiots. Uh, he seems to be the only one that Murphy will even casually listen to. Like, if Mark, like if Quinn says, Captain, if you do this, we will all die. I said, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. And then Marco says, Captain, if you do this, we will all die. Really? Are you sure? I mean, there's a little bit of time now <laughs> where the captain's like, oh, Marco said it. It must be okay. You know, it's like, oh, I don't get it. Oh, I don't get it. Also, I didn't put in the slide, but uh, they do have an, an orphanage in the sea lab. Comes up in a couple of episodes only. But Marco is the one that, that, uh, take, not takes care, but interacts with the orphans. Hmm. That sounds dangerous. He's, he's a nice guy. Now, this show does have antagonists. Except it's them. It's the crew. The crew are their own antagonists. C-Lab gets destroyed in almost every episode. Almost every one. And all the time, it is due to the actions of the crew. The blatant incompetence of the crew gets them killed every time okay now it, they never explain why these people are in charge why would a multinational organization that that like the un that funded this giant this billion dollar project put these idiots in charge certifiable nutbags all of them my theory is that this is just an a place where they, they can be exiled because if they were on the surface, they would cause wars and genocide and famine and plague. But you put them at the bottom of the sea and there's somebody else's problem. I think that's what happened, but that's just my theory. Just my theory. It's a good theory. Good theory. Thank you. So what I think of it, I thought very highly of it. Four stars. Here's why it is non politically correct. Funny. It is a, they're purposefully making fun of stereotypes of racism, sexism, all the isms. They 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 go to an extreme with them. Extreme misogyny, extreme feminism, extreme racism to the point where it's ridiculous. So everyone can understand it's a joke. If you can't understand it's a joke, then they don't want you watching anyway and frankly neither do I. The show is very well written. The cool thing is that for a lot of cartoons and animations, you have to do the anime first and then do the dialogue to fit. 
You know, you do the storyboards, you get the story down, and then you have to make the dialogue. But this one, they do the dialogue first and then just cut up old cartoons to make it fit. And and if they have to move the mouth differently because the dialogue is different, they'll just animate new mouth right on the fly because it's 70s animation. You could do that with Photoshop in five minutes. It's easy. Mark says it's kind of like Spaceball the series almost. Almost, yes. Yes, Space Spaceballs was a giant satire on... on uh, well, there was a, a cartoon uh, series. Yeah, a car- cartoon series. But the Spaceballs, the idea is a, is a giant satire on an overreaching, corrupt government. You know, like, how bad could this government possibly be? Oh, Spaceballs bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, there it is. That This is like that. Now, each episode is a standalone episode. Okay? There is no overall arc to this thing. Like I said, because C-Lab gets destroyed in almost every episode at the end. So you can't have a linear progression. Each one is its own standalone thing. So this allows a lot of flexibility. You know, uh, killing Kenny and then bringing him back is is has been the 20-year running gag on South Park. Well, here it's destroying C-Lab and then the next episode it's fine. No one remembers it being destroyed. You know, that, that's just the way it is. And that all the characters are over the top. Like I said, every one of them is a stereotype. Every single one. An over-the-top stereotype. Meant to be that way. I love it. I love it. Now, what I don't like it, well, I, I like all of it. I do. I like all of it. Uh, some people may object to the to the satirical nature, not me. I'm, I'd only put this in there to warn you. If you are easily offended by ideas, number one, leave this channel immediately and never come back. And number two, don't watch C-Lab 2021. You're just going to trigger yourself. Now, the only reason I didn't give it five stars is because it's not an anime. I mean, this is an anime review channel. I can't yeah, give yeah, it you know. five stars to a cartoon. I can't. But I gave it four stars because I think everyone should watch it. I really do. It's a good, fun time. Duncan says, most extreme elimination challenge was also... Oh, yeah, edgy. And it's comedy, the same extreme. I like Early 2000s humor was a lot more open. Yes, yes. The extreme elimination challenge was really good. Yes, that was good. And it was, it was cut. It was cut to, you know... That was from Takashi's Takashi's Castle. Yes, it was cut from Takashi's Castle and redubbed very much the same way. Duncan's right. But it was live action. It's really the only difference. Yeah, Roxas watched the Takashi's Castle. It's almost as hilarious. It's all, yeah. I, I never watched the original, so I don't know. It's but, fun. Oh, good. That is Seed Lab 2021. So what did you think of the segment? And what do you think on recycling old cartoons this way to make them fresh and new. I mean, I like the idea. No one does it anymore. And really only Adult Swim did it then in the early to mid 2000s. They don't do it anymore. No one does. Do you think they should? Think it should come back? I mean, uh, in my head, apparently there's a there's a Herculoids uh, remake. But someone someone should get on that because Herculoids can be remade real easy. Herculoids and Thundar the Barbarian. Come on, man. Get hop two. Both are excellent shows up for a remake. Heck yeah. In in your head, in your head. Yep, yep, there you go. So, uh, any suggestions for my next anime? Uh, uh, Mao Yu is already one, but you can have the other. And, of course, comment on Discord and Twitter. Thank, Thank you me. very much. Be Legionnaire. If you want more Heathen Dog, find more Heathen Dog. Like, share, subscribe to Heathen Dog at the Legion of Myth. 
You can join us for full streams of anime, comics, and games, member-only chat and giveaways, a monthly Q&A with Legion of Myth members, and accounts towards your Patreon giveaway goals. And if you want more Heathen the Dog, make sure to check out his anime on the stream segments, his tabletop gaming fundamental segments, his team-up segments, his selected video game stream segments, his segmented body as he rises through the universe. Wow. Maybe, maybe not that part. But yeah. check it all out on YouTube and Twitch. Thank you very much, everyone. Be a Legionnaire. Duncan says, did I miss the bad-mouthing Duncan at the start of the stream? I never got a reaction out of Heathenock for the Jigoro counter. Oh, <laughs> uh, you mean uh, when you were last week when you were on? Yeah. I only saw part of that because I was in Jersey and the internet was spotty because it's Jersey. I, I, was, like I, was, still in, I was still in Jersey Sunday when I, when I uh, Saturday night and Sunday when I tried to watch it. It didn't work out. I did like the Jigoro counter. There are many Jigoros. Ugh. This one is mine, apparently. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Ready? Yes. Okay. Whether you are a longtime fan of comic books or someone ready to take the plunge into the comic book genre, look no further than Garthon's Comic Poll. Join Garthon live every Saturday at 8 p.m. Central Time on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Ask your comic book questions and engage in comic book discussions with Garthon directly. Now, let's give it up to Garthon. Ladies and gentlemen, people of planet Earth, thank you for joining us. We all know what time it is. And it didn't work. Well, I'll tell you again. It is time for you to laugh, to try, because it's everyone. Yes! Garthon's comic poll. Garthon buys comics, reads comics, pulls comics. Subscribe to Garthon. Oh, there it is. And Legion as Garthon subscribes to comics. That's good advice, just, you know, for the planet itself. So, true. <laughs> for world peace. First up. Dr. Afra, number 35. I like that cover. Written by Simon Spurrier. Pencils by Andrea Brocardo. Inks by Mark Deering and Scott Hanna. Colors by Chris O'Halloran. Cover by Ashley Witter. Ashley Witter, fantastic cover. That's a good cover. So, Dr. Afra's been one of my favorite series. Uh, it's been really good. Uh, Cy Spurrier, since he's taken over, has done a good job. Uh, it's been kind of roundabout recently. It kind of seems like the series kind of lost focus a little bit uh recently she's gone back and forth between like kind like being against the empire and being against the rebellion the art in this book is really strong for about the first eight pages maybe ten and then it just goes south i don't know why this is from the beginning of the book these pages um it's not a ship her wookie bodyguard not well sort of her rookie buddy who she owes tons of money to is also a bounty hunter smashing the ship to rescue her as she's about to steal an ancient jedi weapon that the rebellion was going to use to act as a intergalactic sniper rifle on like a planet on a on a battleship weapon scale to assassinate emperor palpatine from like four star systems away not a bad bad plan um so her plan is to steal the weapon, sell it to the Empire to get the Empire off her back. Because she had it in the first place, and the Rebellion kind of grabbed her and saved her from the situation. But then she, when she figured out they are going to use that thing, not just as, like, give it to the Jedi as a collectible, but to assassinate the Emperor, she's like, yeah, that won't work. One, won't work. Two, they will kill everyone involved in that. I don't want to be part of being killed. 
And three, I can make a lot more money selling to the Empire and clearing my name with them. So Sounds uh, logical to me. Right. So that's her plan. She goes to steal it. She gets stopped by her ex, ex-lover, um, girlfriend, and enemy. It's complicated. Decently well-written, but complicated. Uh, convinced her to let her go, or at least give her a head start. Of course, the she managed to tell the Empire over Galactic Broadcast that she has the weapon. And... Darth Vader, you know, basically tells everyone, if you find this woman, kill her immediately. But he gets cut off by the Empire's public affairs office. Basically, they're mind control, the Empire's helping everyone division. You know, public relate. They're, they're evil version of a PR firm who runs the Empire. Uh, basically, has the idea of grabbing her and using her as... A figurehead saying, look, even this rebellious person has shown how great the Empire is and betrayed the Rebellion to help everyone. Yay, isn't it great? Empire, Empire. We know off camera, they know she's a bastard and they hate her. But they're willing to to get their 15 minutes of fame out of her and the press. They're willing to like drop her off on some planet and forget she ever existed. Um, it's an okay issue. The action feels kind of like, so what? Um, it is an issue where Afra is an absolute bastard and they try and give some relevance for this in showing flashbacks from her past where she had to deal with her mother getting killed when they lived on some little tiny off-world colony uh her mother was killed by essentially bandits and then the empire came in and they you know killed all the bandits and but then took over the planet and they basically told her, well, you know, things change. You got to change with it. And she finds herself telling that same advice to a little, to a girl. She's kind of you know, saved from a similar situation. It's like, you know, life sucks. Get used to it. Things change. Find yourself saying the same lines. Um, which is kind of dark. I just, usually there's a more lighthearted element to Dr. Afro, or you see a plan behind a plan. And this doesn't have any of that. It just kind of feels, well, why is this happening? Or this whole thing with the Jedi super sniper rifle doesn't seem to make any sense. It just doesn't feel right. Um, Afra feels like more of she's rolling along half most of the time. And the art, like I said, after about halfway through, just turns to absolute crap. The penciler is the same for the whole book. I think the inker changes halfway through and it goes to hell. Just showing how important an inker is. And the second inker in the book just does not do it any favors. And made, made me like, why why did this book look so bad? Why is it not fun? And the coloring is pretty drab most of the time, too. Nothing really pops. Nothing is really set very well. It's just not a great book. And I'm really sad about that because Dr. Afra has been one of my favorites. Um, she's actually such a popular character that she... That, uh, I think I mentioned this a while ago. They had a big conference and they were letting people vote on who, like, they were like, going to do a special edition action figure. And they pulled characters from like obscure parts of Star Wars lore. And out of like the hundred or so characters they pulled, she's the one who won. Because hmm. she was a beloved character. She was a really interesting character when written correctly. Um, and the last few issues just have not been very good. And it keeps kind of going down a little tick every issue, and which is sad. Um, 
so not a big fan of this issue. It doesn't... Well, the art kind of is like, meh, halfway through. It's not good. The story's okay. If you... I don't I can't really get with it. I don't really love it. I can't find any super redeeming value to it. So... Pensley's good. It has a solid plot arc. Cover's uh, nice. It covers great. Two stars. Which is Oof. sad. That's the lowest I've ever rated any Dr. Afra issue. This yeah. It's just really, really dull. Where is your yeah. wife from that she talks like Tonto? Huh? I don't understand that question. I don't, I don't get it either. Huh? Anyway. Moving on. Moving on, the so yeah, this should have been a lot better, and I'm just kind of disappointed because it's been a really good series, uh, but the last few issues have not, and that worries me. There comes a point where you start seeing a series kind of start going downhill, and you're like, oh, they're going to cancel this, aren't they? And they stop putting resources into it. Usually, art starts going to hell, and it looks like the writer has other things he'd rather be doing. And it's just finishing it out. And that's the vibe I'm starting to get. I haven't seen anything that says it's getting canceled, but that's the vibe I'm getting. And I, mm. I'm worried for the series. But I had that vibe before, and then it got better. So hopefully it gets better very quickly, because I don't like the current plot arc. I don't like the, the writing hasn't been the strongest. So yeah, two stars, Dr. Afra. I could be wrong about that. Let me know, let me know. What do you think of this? Uh, what are your thoughts on Dr. Afro number 35 if you've been following it all? Am I completely off base on this? Am I nuts? Is this a fantastic thing and I'm crazy and I should realize it's brilliant? Let me know. Um, do you think I'm mad for thinking the art sucks halfway through if you read the whole book? Well, it sucks halfway through. It does. The penciling is still there, but the inks go to hell. They really do. Uh, looks like they you know, got someone from, someone from high school to go finish it up real quick. Yeah, I know that's not nice. Yeah, I cannot do a better job. But hey, that's why you're armchair quarterbacking this. That's group. why I'm, yeah, that's why I'm reviewing comics and not writing them or drawing them. You know, you can enjoy medium and not be an expert at it. You could watch a Hitchcock film and say, "Wow, this is a great direction," without being to direct as well as Hitchcock. Okay, everyone knows yep. this. So anyway, people who can't do teach. People who can't teach critique. Yeah, pretty much. You can teach the critique. Anyway, so let me know if you have any ideas for future comic reviews. And remember, everyone, be a legionnaire. Now on Garthon's comic poll, the superior Spider-Man number 10. Written by Christos Gage, pencils by Mike Hawthorne, inks by Wade Von Grawbadger, and colors by Jordy Belair. I love Belair. that name. I love that name. <laughs> Wade Von Grawbadger? Yeah! That's a great name. <laughs> I know, man. Damn. Covers um, by, Mark, by Mike Hawthorne and Maury Hollowell. That's a neat cover. Looks like he's wearing a... The guy who's fighting Spider-Man is wearing a Halloween costume, but... Well, yes, that's because that is an otherworld version of Norman Osborn, where he is the Spider-Man of his world. He's still evil, but he's the Spider-Man of his world. Ah... Uh. Um, he was first introduced in the Edge of Spider-Verse series, the second one that happened a while ago, mm-hmm. uh, where he teamed up with Spider's Man, who is a man made up of a collective of intelligent spiders in a Spider-Man Ooh. suit. That sounds uh, horrible. It is horrible. Uh, okay. They teamed up together as like Team Evil at the end of that series and decided to like, exit together. When they did that, 
Spider's Man sent one of his spiders out to like every like almost every multiverse they could send it to, just so he could see and be aware because his awareness of his collective transcends, transcends dimensions. It. Right. Okay. So he's aware of what all the spiders are doing. And if you squish one of his spiders, the consciousness goes back to the main spider. Mm-hmm. So, whatever. He's fine. So they sense have a vendetta against the superior Spider-Man, Otto Octavius. Sure. So Otto's been doing a lot to try and get it to rehab his image, to be a better person. He's had some really neat character development. Um, this issue starts out with him swinging through the city with his new girlfriend, who's a bit older than him, but age doesn't matter to him, only the power of one's mind. When she first entered the series, she didn't look like she was old, but then it was introduced that she was quite a bit older than him, and now they're drawing her like she's really old all the time. I don't think she was originally intended to be older, at least not that much, but then they decided to go with it. Sure. Turn um, into the skid on that one. Right. That's what I think. They, um, so he's like, there, he's, there, he's hanging out with his girlfriend, and then he visits an orphan's house. Um, someone he actually saved during uh, another event that happened previously, and he's trying to get adopted, and he's become buddies with the kid. Um, and it's actually just kind of a neat moment because you start, look, I found these action figures. Look, it doesn't have quite your right costume, but you have a lot of costumes, I guess, because it's an actual Spider-Man figure. Mm-hmm. The Marco says, Otto's mind is like 80, though. True. So he doesn't care. The, uh, but now his body is, you know, like 25 or 28 or something. Yeah. And yeah. Prime body. Yeah. Prime mutated body, all super powerful and stuff. So, but he meets the, you know, starts like the kid, you know, his adoptive parents, you know, say, hey, the adoptive parents are being drawn up, and his therapist says he's coping with what happened as well as can be expected. Uh, she also said your visits made a huge difference. Uh, without you, I don't know if, just, just thank you. Also, I just like, madam, I assure you, it has meant as much, if not more, to me. And so you actually see, like, making all these differences in the community. People are starting to like him. They're accepting him as San Francisco Spider-Man. And then, like, all these... News leaks start happening like it has been revealed that San Francisco Spider Man is actually Dr. Octopus. And he's like, Wait, Wait how did what? this information get out? And then they you know, see people interviewing like Spider Man in New York's like, Is it true? He's like, Well, uh, you know, Otto had issues, but he's a lot better now. And he's been talking through it's like, So is that him? Well I gotta Oh wait, the the vulture's attacking downtown. I, I gotta go, you know. <laughs> uh, I left all my ovens on. Yeah. Yeah, basically, like, all these people who are defending him, like even Reed Richards, are like, yeah, he was a horrible villain, but we, he's mostly better now. Or he's doing his best. It's like, and they're like, not exactly a full throated, right? Know, I mean, his who, praises type his thing. friends who know his secret identity are like, well, they're, they're saying nice things. And his opinion is like, these people, well, he's being Dr. Hoffman, like, these, Reed Richards is mentally deficient to me. Why are they even listening to him? How could he not full-throatedly endorse me after I saved his life during the invasion of the realms? He didn't quite save his life, but kind of close. The Otto's never been a full-on awful guy. That's true, Mar Hawkman. That's true. He's never been full-on, you know, I will murder everyone evil. He did try to marry Aunt May. Well, doesn't make him evil. I, they seem very happy together. Sure. Um, but all this stuff keeps happening, and all this information about him keeps getting revealed. It gets revealed to his employer. You know, all this stuff keeps happening. Um, and, like, every little thing keeps getting brought up. Sounds like an attack. Yeah. And then he realizes, wait, people start mentioning that they... That seems like they're going to actually personally... It's like, 
oh no. And then he goes to check on the family who's adopting uh, the kid. And they're like, because they know that he's closely associated with them, all of a sudden, like, the adoption is like, well, if, this, if you're really buddies with Dr. Octopus, we don't think you can adopt this kid. That's just dangerous. You're letting him hang out, Dr. Octopus? And, you know, so he's involved now screwing everything up. And the kid's hurt, and he's he just talks to him for a second. He's like, you, is, uh, he's like, we're in trouble because we let him associate with a cr- cr- criminal, someone who murdered a police captain. He's like, that that was an accident. George Stacy was unfortunate collateral damage. And Ooh. look, look, you're right. Of course, my actions are unforgivable. I shall provide you a signed, notarized statement. That I had no knowledge, that you had no knowledge of my true identity, and I will trouble you no more. I realize I have no, I know, I realize I've been troubled you, but could I at least say goodbye? And then he has a really nice moment talking to the adoptive kid, kid and he kind of explains a little bit what's happening. He's like, what changed my mind and showed me I was wrong was getting to know people like you, James, but I still make mistakes. It was wrong for me to let you think that I was the original Spider-Man. I lied to people, many people, and now I have to fix the messes I've made. Until I have, it's probably best that you don't see me for a while. In any case, I don't imagine you wish to see me anyway. And the kid stops and says, fake Spider-Man, why'd you lie to me? Oh, that hurts. Yeah, he just stops. It's a great moment because he just stops and says, I... I wanted you to like me. And the kids' eyes kind of tear up and they both, you know, they had, they share a hug because it's so honest right there. Something Otto has never really been with himself. Right. And what else after- is right? What else is right? He was overwhelmed by the feels. Yep. Yep. Overwhelmed. Um, and after that, he ends up going back, you know, to his office and his boss is like, you know, Dr. Professor Tolliver, which is the name he's going under now. I need to talk to you. He's like, it'll have to wait. I've had a long day. Well, it could be a lot longer. I just received an encrypted uh, transmission and proof that you are actually Otto Octavius. Could we please step into our lab? And then basically his boss tells him like, yeah, I've run through all this. It's true. And I can prove it because I already knew. He's like, wait, what? You already knew you were Otto Octavius. I did some surreptitious DNA testing. Look, I don't care what you've done in the past. I care what you're doing now. And you've done nothing but good that I've seen. So I don't have any problem with what you did in the past. You've always been trying to change. And then they figure out, going through security footage, that spiders from Spider's Man have been, like, tapping emails on the keyboards. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's a comic book. You know, but they see these spiders, like, gathering data. and They figure it out real quick. And as soon as they're about to, like, say, oh, crap, we need to lock down the place. That's when they get attacked by Spider's Man. Otto is expecting this. Blast him. Kills all the spiders except one. And the spider's like, whatever, go ahead and kill me. I'll just come back to my main consciousness. You know, we're already done with you. Otto has, you know, Norman Osborn already has a plan for you anyway. It's like, oh, I'm not going to kill you. But you will talk. Whatever, there's nothing you could do. To-. And then he starts, like, shocking the spider. He's like, ah, <laughs> ah, ah, oh, okay, it's Norman Osborn. He's behind the whole thing. <laughs> and so they really quickly figure out a plan to use the cosmic energy harness from when he fought Terax many issues ago to be able to transverse the 
the broken web of the Spider-Verse in order to go and find Norman Osborn and force him to go back home. Wait, I thought he drained that thing already. That's what they told him. Oh, okay, got it. Because they, because he actually asks, he's, you know, he's like, because when she says like, oh, don't worry, uh, remember when you found the Terex? I kept a souvenir, and I brings the cosmic artifacts like the cosmic hardest. But you said, yeah, I lied. I thought I'd keep it just in case, in case of, uh, of course, as a weapon, in case I reverted to the man I once was. And she's like, well, that was before he's like, and he's like, no, I get it. <laughs> Which is very reasonable. He's like, that boy's like, why, why should I be mad about this? It's fine. I get it. I get it. I was, I was a very bad person. I'm sorry. Um, but as they start to wind up the harness, it starts to feedback. And they're like, wait, 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 shut it down. It's like, and then all of a sudden a voice comes over. But why, Otto? From my view, all systems are green. And he starts laughing. Because Osborne has reprogrammed the damn thing through Spider's Man. Because they didn't see him do it. And it explodes with the force to take out a f- couple floors of the office building. Otto was able to save his buddies. And then Osborne, all six arms of him, comes in. And while he's trying to hold up the roof so it doesn't kill anyone, Osborne starts punching the crap out of him. Uh, Remember, he gets to safety... And instead of killing, he leaves him. And he's like, why? Is it why, you ask? That's the most important question of all, Otto. Because you insulted me. Must go now. What's to do? So he's decided to completely kill Otto eventually, but ruin him completely first. Which is mm. always a bad idea as a supervillain. If you have a chance to kill yeah. your enemy, you do it right then. You do it right, yeah. Just a sniper. Like, the, the, the world's greatest supervillain is a trained sniper. Right, but this is Norman Osborn. And he's a bit crazy. Did someone remove some of my slides? No, but it looks like that you don't have the copy at the end. Yeah, I usually ha- I know I copy them at the end. I swear someone will remove some of my slides because I know I put those in. Anyway, it was it was Marhawkman. I agree, it was Marhawkman. It was Algarian. It was Algarian. Mm. <laughs> Marhawk says to read the evil over list. Exactly. Uh, I like the Marhawk says part of why Otto didn't try to pretend he was romantically attracted to MJ. He couldn't fake it. Yeah, exactly. When he was the original Superior Spider-Man run. When he was pretending Peter Parker, he left that relationship because he didn't want to do that. He only cares about how smart people are. He's a dick. He's still a jerk, but he's honest about it. Mm. And he cares about your intellect. He cares what you do with your mind. He doesn't care about your body. Mm, look at the MRI scan. Look at those lobes. So, Superior Spider number 10. An interesting issue. Again, really great depth work for Otto Octavius' Spider-Man. Showing consequences of his past actions, and also showing that he's trying to write and people are just destroying him, but he doesn't fall to it. Like, well, I'll show you all. He, he did have, yeah, with uh, Maria, the little person, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, who's in this issue? So, I really like this issue. It was a lot of fun. It wasn't the greatest issue in the world. I thought the art was real solid. Um, a lot of it was kind of uncomfortable to me that it's like, why are they ruining him? It's so mean. But that was great. It gave me all the feels. Four stars yeah. for the wow. Superior Spider-Man. Really liked this issue. Outstanding. A lot of fun. I know I get four stars a lot, but this issue deserves it. Great issue. Highly recommend it. Superior Spider-Man number 10. As I've said before, currently the best Spider-Man book Marvel's putting out is Miles Morales' Spider-Man, followed closely by the Superior Spider-Man. Then maybe 
Spectacular Spider-Man, then maybe Spidey. Amazing's at the bottom of the list. I'm sorry. Yeah. How how much how much down the list do you have to get before you get to Peter Parker? Uh, well, no, Peter Parker is you know third on the list. Oh, okay. But uh, he's not really. But yeah, he's he's. That's the set of the three men who are Spider-Man right now. Peter Parker's third on the list because he's mm. poorly written. So, what to this segment? What are your thoughts on Superior Spider-Man number ten? Am I off base? Am I right? Let me know because. Otto's killing it as Spider-Man. He's great. And if you have any suggestions for future comic reviews, please let me know. Now, on Garthon's comic pull, Powers of Ten, number... Why does that say ten? That should be a three. Someone changed my slides, I swear to God. Anyway, that's... I'm just really annoyed by that. I swear my slides got changed. It's okay. No, I'm mad. Be mad. I am so angry. So, Powers of Ten, number three, written by Jonathan Hickman, uh, art by R.B. Silva, colors by Marte Gracia, covers by R.B. Silva and Marte Gracia. Yeah, because I remember originally you were even asking me, is that Power of X number 10? It's like, no, it's three. like, oh, okay. Oh, no, that was in the... In that the, was in the uh, first slide, though. In the first slide, which is correct. Yeah. Ah, something yeah. weird happened. So, um, Powers of Ten has been a book. Uh, the art is fantastic. <laughs> I love the art. Uh, it has kind of a high-concept idea where it looks at different phases in the far X-Men future where things have gone wacky. This is the point a uh, hundred years in the future where... Humans are in decline, the machines are ascendant, and the mutants are also, like, just little vestiges of what they once were being completely destroyed, and they're under the rule of Apocalypse. Uh, it starts out with some weird machine cult humans making themselves part machine, even though the machines don't give a crap and just kind of tolerate them being there, and that doesn't oppress them. Um, Nimrod the Great is busy... <laughs> doing whatever he does, running the place. So the mutants jump in there uh, to attack the humans who are liking the machines because they're not bothering them, I guess. That doesn't the, make a whole lot of sense. No, it doesn't. The idea is that, all right, the idea is the mutants are attacking to make distractions so that Nimrod's defense forces will all go to where the mutants are attacking the city. At which point, the real secret strike force is going into Thebes, uh, deep in the underground vaults, where uh, and Apocalypse, Wolverine, and Krakoa slash Cypher go there. Wait, the island slash a person that didn't have powers to begin with? Well, Cypher's powers are... Oh, translation, I think, right? Right, super I mean, translation. Language? Basically, yeah. But he could also merge with things, like he merged with a Warlock. Oh, okay. So he yep. basically is merged with Krakoa. Mm. And so he's like a big Groot-looking thing. Okay. But more dirt than tree, anyway. Sure. Uh, so they go there. Uh, they end up having to fight Nimrod himself, because Nimrod's like, I knew these were all distractions. Uh, and it turns out their goal was like some energy, some crystal that held all of Nimrod's old memories in it, which they and they also find where Moira McTaggart, who keeps getting reincarnated, uh, mm. is imprisoned. And then they 
free her, uh, and because she's been all apocalypsized with some machine parts, they just download the crystal into real. Wolverine downloads the crystal into her as Apocalypse is busy holding back Nimrod, just ever so barely. Um, and they give her all the knowledge of what happened in this timeline, and then he's like, well, I guess... She's like, well, I guess we know what he's having now. It's like, yeah. You, sorry about this. And she's like, that's okay. You're the best at what you do. And yeah. and so she so Wolverine kills her, so she can get reincarnated with the full knowledge of Nimrod in her next life. Um, uh, what? That's what that's what Morgan Taggart does now. Sure. All right. So, so that way she could prevent this future from happening. Uh, Powers of Ten has not been a great book for me. Uh, it's a whole bunch of X Men alternate futures, which by the end of them don't matter anyway because they're going to make sure they don't happen. It it created a lot of buzz by showing some really crazy looking, like, oh my gosh, is that like. Like Colossus, his daughter with Kitty Pride, or oh no, has like magic's powers. And it turns out, uh, Rasputin there, the Silver Girl, is just a clone mutant made up of powerful mutants. Um, the Red Nightcrawler guy is just uh, some clone mutant made up of other mutants, and he dies this issue. Mm-hmm. And the guy with the glowy head is oh gosh, I just forgot his name. He was revealed to be Magneto, but he wasn't. <laughs> and, what? Uh, Ah, that was another bad story. Um, oh God. I, thought, I thought Magneto's in the back. The green, no, green don't, Magneto. No, no, that's now. Oh, God, what's his stupid name? Someone help me out here. I can't remember his name. He, he had, he was originally introduced. He had healing powers. And. The Aquarian? No. <laughs> I love that guy. No, I know. <laughs> um, Zorn. Mark Hawkman says Zorn. Zorn. There you go. I figured out just as he said it. Yeah, Zorn. Who had, he, all right. When the Zorn character was introduced, he was like this loser who had to wear a mask because he had a singularity, he said, under his in his body that if it was revealed would kill everyone. Sure. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, because it's a black hole. Um, but he had healing powers. So he was like death but had healing powers. It was then later revealed that Zorn was actually Magneto using magnetics to heal people. Don't question it. And but- he was just there to infiltrate the X-Men the whole time. It was then later revealed there was a real Zorn. And it wasn't someone Magneto made up, but Magneto killed him, but his brother was, but actually was his brother or something. So Zorn was still, anyway. So this is future Zorn. And he ends up dying too, because when Nimrod's lieutenants end up fighting them, they get the crap kicked out of them. And to beat her at the end, Rasputin is willing to kill them all by opening up Zorn's helmet, and uh, they all die. But it doesn't matter, because that timeline doesn't exist anymore. So nothing they do with this issue matters, because the timeline doesn't exist anymore. Great. I, it's a kind Dude. of a neat story, but to it's me, pointless. none of it matters. Yeah. I, you can't find any drama from it. What's the drama? Uh, Moira wakes up in her next life, and she's like, oh, man... I'll miss those dudes who will never exist from life number 10. Tra la 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 la. I, I don't get it. What's the point? To me, it doesn't aid in the storytelling in House of X at all. You could just say there was a timeline where this happened. You could spend a paragraph or two pages saying this happened in a previous timeline. And it would have just the same emotional impact. 
Zero. Mm. Well, one. On a scale of one to five, it would have a one impact because, like, wow, that timeline must have sucked. Yeah, it did. And then moving on. And then moving on. So, yeah, I just cannot get with Powers of X. The art's fantastic. It has some lofty ideals that it never reaches. I'm sure that there are some people out there who just love the hell out of this and the alternate futures and everything. Moira just pawn in Game of Life. <laughs> also, Moira's Mongo. <laughs> or uh, Solomon Grundy. Or Solomon Grundy. So, <laughs> yeah. There, that's... that's that's Doesn't sound great. Powers of 10, number three. And I, I guess I should give it a rating. Because that's what I'm here for. The art is really, really good. The characters are interesting to read. But who the hell cares? Because, here's the thing. Because the art is so good, and the characters are well-written, and it's an intriguing idea that kind of falls flat, I'm going to give it two and a half stars. Because it doesn't suck. It just doesn't work. You know? It's like owning a Ferrari in mint condition that has no engine. It's fantastic, man. Check this out. Can we drive anywhere? Eh, I'll ride in the seat and you can push me around. You know, so it's not great. It's kind of cool. Your picture taken with it, maybe. So, R says, I'm betting the whole story ceased to exist when Warrior dies the last time. Very possible. Very possible. So, yeah, two and a half. I can be convinced lower or higher, honestly. But that's where I'm at. It's just some people are really going to love this book. I'm not one of them. The art is great. The idea is interesting. It doesn't work for me. So all in all, kind of the highs and lows to me balance out to about a two and a half book. Absolutely average. Okay. That's how I feel. So what do you think of this? Am I totally off base? I always say that because I want to know. I want to know. Am I wrong about this? Because when I read other forums, the debates on Powers of X are kind of strong between people. Well, there's generally three thoughts on Powers of X. One is, this is freaking awesome. Two is, this sucks. And three is, what is this? And I'm mainly a mixture of, this sucks and what is it? You know? So, point at it, warn the kids. It just doesn't work for me. You know? If I was to do a deal butcher with a weird owl. Yeah. No, this isn't that at all, Mark Hawkman. So, if you love Powers of X, let me know why. If you think I'm right, let me know why. Because not everyone likes being told they're right. And if you have any suggestions for future comic reviews, let me know. And remember, there's more Garthon. You can like, share, subscribe to the Garthon. Uh, you can see Garth on YouTube. Join for full streams of animes, comics, and games, member-only chat and giveaways, monthly Q&A with Legion with members, and a YouTube membership account towards our Patreon giveaway goals. If you want to see more Garthon, there's Garthon Comic Pulse segments, Yaksa Kawami playthrough, many other video game playthroughs, and team-ups in YouTube. So check that out. Thank you very much, everyone. Be a Legionnaire. All right. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. RNG, the random number generator, where the Legion of Myth weekly livestream hosts discuss anything and everything nerd. RNG airs live every Saturday at 8 p.m. Central Time on twitch.tv slash legionofmyth. Come and join us in discussions on all things nerd. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover, let us know. Now, 
Let's see what the die roll for our RNG topic comes up this week. Ah, the RNG. Subscribe! All right, this week we are talking about the newest Fire Emblem game. Not Fire Emblem Awakening. We are talking about Fire Emblem Three Houses. So, Fire Three Houses is the newest game. It is published by Nintendo, created by Intelligent Systems, and also Koei. Koei Tecmo. Koei? Koei? Koei Tecmo. All right, okay. I'm a big fan of the Fire Emblem series. Like many modern fans of Fire Emblem, the first one I played was actually going to be the last one. Fire Emblem Awakening for the 3DS. This game was fantastic. It was Fire Emblem has been a series that's been around since the NES games in Japan. And okay. it never quite made it to America or Europe. For Fire Emblem uh, it made it to America on the Game Boy Advanced and then the Wii Game, well, GameCube, Wii, a few other games. But the first game that really hit any major impact in America was Fire Emblem Awakening. Uh, Nintendo was actually going to retire the franchise, but they gave it one more shot. And the game caught on very big. It's an interesting cast of characters. They're all pretty cool. Uh, it's a really interesting story about bringing a group together and fighting against the evil Dark Dragon. That's actually what happens. Sure. Uh, popular with the character Krom... Uh, on the left there, and Robin there, who's just to the right of Krom the, on the bottom, uh, end up becoming characters in Super Smash Brothers, uh, Tharja, anyway, very, characters that have just stuck around since then. Very popular game. The combat in the game, turn-based combat, grid-based, characters have preferences, they level up, they can learn new classes. Uh, Fire Emblem was also known for how tough it could be. The normal mode for the game is when a character dies, they're gone. So if you screw up, that character's dead. You can lose multiple characters, and they never come back. They don't go, don't worry, I spent time with the infirmary. Chip, chip, time to fight. No, they're dead. They're gone. Uh, so a lot of times, if you lose a character you like, you're restarting that level. And these levels can be big, and it can take an hour to get through a fight. In the end of the game. The beginning of the game, their fights are short. But end game stuff can be deadly. A bad guy gets a lucky 1% chance crit on you, F that guy. And guess what? Your ass is probably starting that level if you want to keep that character. It is actually kind of fun when you're at the end boss battle and you know your character's last on the line. But you know what? It's the last fight of the whole game. If they die, they die. You know, just for that extra drama. You know, or can you make it through? Is your strategy good enough? Are your characters strong enough? And the thing is, in, like Awakening in the previous games, like, uh, Shadow Dragon, you had to be tight on your combat. Anyway, but this game was fantastic. It was really interesting. The characters were interesting. And it was so popular, they ended up creating Fire Emblem Fates for the 3DS. Fire Emblem Fates was three games. All with the same story, sort of, but different. Uh, One game, basically your character is a child of two houses who are at war. Um, The first game, Birthright, uh, you you play as joining their, your family with like the Japanese-looking heritage. Conquest was a harder game where you join like the more European-looking house and, and on the left in all black. And then the third one, Revelations, uh, was download only. There was no physical copy of it unless you bought like the $200 collector edition. Uh, what was Mark say? 
Also, a match against the West, you could reload a save. You, you could reload a save, but man. <laughs> the. But this game introduced dozens of characters and a really deep story. And if you play through all three, it's actually very rewarding. See the different way these characters' lives could have gone. Um, fascinating game. Really enjoyed it. Uh, just, you know, one of my favorite strategy games. Just just awesome. Uh, again, turn-based strategy, level your characters. And also through their interactions, you learn a lot about them because they talk to each other. They gain relationships with each other. And this was, again, you could play it on the classic mode where if a character dies, it dies. But Adventurous and Awakening was a casual mode where if they died, they came back at the level. Which, honestly, is is better. Because, you know what? If he dies, you're probably just going to reset the level and reload your save anyway. Yeah, you lost time, but if you lose your favorite character, you're going to redo the level anyway. So the casual mode is kind of nice. Um, but playing those games got me to go back and try the other more hardcore games, like Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon, which you can see is a bit rougher. It's a DS game. Um, and I ended up getting like a bunch of the backlog. I just want to show this and show like kind of more closer origins of the series with uh, Marth and all that, who, again, became a Super Smash Brothers melee character. The And on Ultimate, all the other But again, these games have a very deadly arc and very tight strategies. You have to make sure, like, who's fighting who. Like, swords have an advantage against axes. Axes have an advantage against spears. Spears have an advantage against swords. You always have to be aware of this. Uh, what kind of magic is being used against has advantage against different weapons. Spacing, combat orders, all these things need to be paid very tight attention to you. There's like nine Fire Emblem characters Smash now. Yeah, there are. <laughs> there really are. Um, because Fire Emblem is awesome, and as it gets a wider expansion, more people are interested in the games. The older games are a lot harder. A lot harder. There's no casual mode on them. When they die, they die. And you need to be prepared for this. And also, they will control how much XP you can get. You can't just run a bunch of combat missions, get a bunch of XP, and out-level the game. No. There are no extra missions. One of the reasons people said uh, Fire Emblem Fates Birthright was too easy was that you could just keep taking optional missions over and over again to out-level the, the game. You could not do this in the earlier games. You cannot do it in Conquest. Well, you can with DLC, but that's another matter. Uh, you better be on your game. You better be maximizing your outputs, or you're going to die. You're going to get to endgame and find yourself way in a bad position if you have not leveled properly. Um, not that there's only one way to do it. There are many ways to do it. But if you are not but paying attention... Your, your strategy better work. Right. You better be paying attention to your strategies. You can't say, oh, I just run in with white mages because they can heal. Well, if everyone's a white mage, they're all you're going to die. So, really fun games, interesting characterizations... The characters all look super cool. Um, so that is... I just fell in love with it. So I was super excited when I announced Three Houses was coming out. Three Houses, it turns out. Nintendo of America, who owns the Nintendo system, like, Nintendo Systems, make you a Fire Emblem game for our new system. And they went, that'll take time, man. They went, Koei, make us this game. You make games. And Koei's like, sure. I want to make a Fire Emblem game. And they slammed that easy mode button and they went to Overdrive to make Three Houses. Because they said, hey, you know what got us a wider audience? Making the game easier. And people complained in face that the game was harder for Conquest 
And they also complained that there are three games for one title. I thought it was pretty awesome because it was actually different stories, but other people complained. So they decided to make this game really easy. Like, really, really easy. It's like Fire Emblem, you know, the early years. The characters are kind of interesting. They're all students at a university, and they all look a little creepy. You hang out, you're a professor, you talk to your students, and you teach them things, and you're a mercenary, and there's a weird church thing. You could have tea parties with them. Oh, yay! As they stare at you with their the dead, dead, soulless oh, eyes. God. Oh, God. That's awful. There's something really <laughs> creepy about the way the characters look in this game. It's like a real doll. You kind of get used to it, mm-hmm. but the way the eyes are is just creepy. Like I said, you get used to it, but every once in a while, like, something happens, you look past the screen, you're like, oh, God! As they stare at you with their dead, soulless eyes at your tea party. Why am I running tea parties? There's a war going on. Um, but there are three different storylines you can play through. Uh, combat looks a lot like I you expect it to look. That's what a Fire Emblem game's combat looks like. But never, after like the second or third combat, was I ever worried about death. You were given almost infinite optional combats you are given infinite option of combat if you want it as you can just keep leveling if you feel like if you got the time and eventually you come to the point even without doing that just doing like basic you know you're allowed two combat missions okay i do two combat missions you will out level them your enemies so hard that you just destroy anything in your way it's fire realm too damn easy you never feel challenged everything you do is easy the character stories are kind of interesting. They do a pretty good job with that. The maps feel tiny compared to other Fire Emblem games. The story is weird. Uh, it's not bad. It's just kind of weird. The I never felt any real care about any of the characters. They all have their little whiny problems. Usually there's a character or two I could latch onto in a Fire Emblem game where like, oh, I, this character is the fantastic. Uh, usually your main character in Fire Emblem game can choose a character to marry. Um, that's a pretty standard thing. Also in Fire Emblem, a pretty standard thing is you could choose through building relationships between characters in your army. Those characters have the option of getting married if they have a close enough relationship. And other Fire Emblem games introduce the systems where you could get those characters' kids to join your army. Either through, like, they come through a time warp for their adults, or they were in a pocket dimension where they grew up faster. Anyway. But Genetic it, engineering at its finest. Yeah. You know, anime trope X, they get their kid as an adult to pop out and team up with them. Sure. This game completely skews that. Um, there is an element that happens at a point in the game, spoiler alert, where it jumps five years into the future. Uh, your character basically like goes unconscious and like goes into torpor, and five years later you wake up. So all your students are now your age, because you're a very young professor. And so you can actually can pursue a romantic relationship with one of them. But I never... I've gone through two of the stories now. I'm doing a third story. But there's never been any of the characters that are like, oh man, that's the character I latched onto. That's the one I feel something for. They're all just kind of there. And they... Having tea parties with them, they all just... They're not that interesting. Mm. They don't feel like actualized people because 
all you for the vast majority of the game you don't know them as actualized people with agendas and they're trying to do better they're students who kind of suck who are always telling you their whiny problems like i don't think i'm strong enough to be getting into combat and then you get a combat and they roll the freaking place <laughs> these bandits have been murdering everyone i'm i'm worried i'm so weak and then they go out there with their axe and chop everything in half without taking a single point of damage themselves like yeah wow you really need to work on that jesus christ um it's not a bad game. I'm making it sound like it's a bad game. And it's fun. It's a Fire Emblem game. But it very much feels like Baby's first Fire Emblem. It gives you the ideas of what's in a Fire Emblem game. There's some characters. There's different armies. You move them around. You attack. I never once have had to pay attention to what I'm attacking with or defending against. I never had to be concerned like, oh no, that's an axe unit up there. I better make sure I try to engage it with a sword unit so I have an advantage. Doesn't matter. I just freaking roll it. Or there's no reason to care anywhere about what has advantage or disadvantage. Um, they've added special gambit attacks where you can't counteract, counterattack against them. You could do them too, but it's super annoying when the enemy uses them on you because they hit you with this. Half the time it misses, but you can't counterattack. So you just, yay, you wasted my time. Thanks. If you'd let me attack with a normal attack, at least I could counterattack you and kill you and get you out of my screen. There's a kind of an interesting plot going on in the main story. It could be a lot better. I don't know if it's because Intelligent Systems wasn't fully in control of the game, but it's not a great Fire Emblem game. It's super easy. It's kind of dull. Don't care about the characters. I don't care about the characters that much. They're, there's... An interesting idea about what the church is up to, the, who you work for, might actually be corrupt, but it's never explored enough. I'm wondering, is there like some DLC I'm missing? Or maybe it's... I haven't gone through the whole third storyline yet. Maybe it's in there. Um, I think you need a guinea pig. Maybe. It's just... It's a very okay game, but it's too damn easy. If the combat was more rewarding, I could for actually forgive everything else. I really could. Uh, the character relationships are there. I wish some of the characters have some really kind of interesting backstories. Some of them are just really, eh. About half. There's always going to be some characters in any game. You're like, I don't care what these people. But the amount of I don't cares are really high in this game. The It just seems to be just lacking in everything. But mainly the combat is so damn easy. That even having on classic mode, I'm never worried about losing a single character. If I've lost a... Oh, also, there's a this game introduces a time reversal mechanic. Where if something happens to you, oh, crap. You hit the trigger button, and you can reverse time however many turns you want. Like, really? Well, yeah. So you say, whoa, 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 they just killed me. All right, let's reverse time. We're not going to go over there. The annoying, there's one annoying thing with the time reversal mechanic, and that's if you, let's say you attack a guy and you have a 90% chance of hitting and you miss, and then he counters and crits you and you die. Like, screw that. You rewind it. You go do that attack again. It'll have the same result every time. Oh. So basically, it's like, that's written in stone, buddy. If you do that, that's happening. I've determined it. It's like, well, FB then. So you have to do something else. Seems like you use a different weapon to attack. That'll change it. But if you try and do the exact same thing again, the exact thing happens again kind of annoying i'd hope for a re-roll but it actually kind of makes sense in that well that's the timeline you're returning to bud what do you think is going to be different 
I get it. But on top of everything else. It's just yet another easy button. It's another easy button. The game is so stinking easy. Also, the other games make you work to build these relationships. Almost the only way to build a relationship is to have two characters fight next to each other or as a unit together. And that will build their relationship. In this game, you could walk around handing people flowers and make them like you. And it's real simple to do. Um, so it's not a bad game. I just, I was expecting something much better. It's too damn easy that it detracts from any of the good parts of the game. Yeah. Part of any video game is the challenge. I mean, if, if you, if you beat it and you don't feel accomplishment, there's no point in playing. Right. And that's exactly my point. I go against the boss of the game. I two shot it and go, what was the hell was the point of that? That's that's a big ultimate battle and the giant demon thing is like, you can never defeat me. What? And then they start giving you magic weapons that are like the sword of the creator. I never even use it. Why bother? (laughs) It's pointless. Uh, So. Kill them all with a butter knife. Yeah. You know, I use a good weapon, but. They give you these magic weapons that can only be used a certain amount of time, and the only way to build their... the number of times you can use it back up is to rest or spend insane amounts of money to fix them. Like, that's not even worth it. So I just throw it in in the back and grab a silver sword, which is pretty damn good, forge it up so it's tough, and I'm good for the rest of the game. Hmm. That's what I do. And the game's really easy without using the best weapons. I don't need to. Ah, uh, yeah, too damn easy. My hope is that this draws people into the franchise, and then they'll be interested in looking at the better games. <laughs> like I'd love to see a re-release of Awakening and Fates, Shadow Dragon, um, any of the previous games on the Switch. That'd be great. Maybe this will allow that to happen. Because this game sold like gangbusters. It was number one of the charts. It's still really high up there. Super popular game. But it's... It's one of those things that as... They cast a wider net to get more people in... The core players... Feel left out. Because it's not what they were after. And even as someone who came in during Awakening, which a lot of the original hardcore fan base, but no one had heard about the game, they didn't like Awakening because they thought it was too easy. I didn't think Awakening was too easy. I thought it was just right. Um, But those guys who played the really, the older games, which were super hard. (laughs) Does it have a hard mode? It does have a hard mode. It doesn't change much. I don't like playing a hard mode. I play a normal mode. But yeah, it has a hard mode, Marhawk. But to even feel a minor challenge, I shouldn't have to put it on the hardest setting. Hard mode should be for people who are very accomplished, have beat the game, they know what they're doing, they want to be punished. It shouldn't be for people like, I really wish that I was at least minorly at risk of losing. I can't lose. I guess I could if I tried. Mm. The game also has the option, like every turn you can tell it's auto-attack. Just... Run everyone forward and find something and kill it. I could do that and never worry. I'm going to win. Every level. Where's the strategy? This is supposed to be a strategy game. 
So I have a bunch of hours in the game. I enjoy a lot about it, but every time I'm in combat, it's kind of kind of sigh because it's just getting it's not my going time. to be fruitful. Yeah. yeah, it just it just eats time. I want to see where the story's going. I want to see where maybe this character's going. I want to build such and such skill up. Okay, I got to get through this combat. Well, I know I'm going to win quite easily. I just got to spend the 30 minutes to do it. And that's not what you should be looking for. I should be like, oh my gosh, how was the strategy for this level? How do I get through this? And I never look for that. Okay. So that's it. That's my opinion of Fire Emblem, Three Emblem, Fire Emblem. Three houses for the Nintendo Switch. It is just too damn easy. Am I wrong about that? Do you not think that? What do you think of Fire Emblem Three Houses? What are my, your thoughts on video game difficulty itself? Am I off base? Like, like, shut up, buddy. This game's just right. Am I just being the old guy who was playing previous games saying, the old game was better? Let me know. I really want to know. Because if this is the first time you've played a Fire Emblem game, do you love it? Does this make you look at other Fire Emblem games? If you've never, if you played the older games and played this, do you agree with me? Is this just really way too damn easy? Uh, please, let me know. And if you have any suggestions for future RNG topics, let me know. And let Heathen Dog know. And as always, like, share, subscribe, join for full screens of anime, comics, and game reviews, member-only chat and giveaways, and monthly Q&A with LOM members. Counts towards, and it counts towards our Patreon giveaway goals, where we give away many things, especially on our Twitch streams. It's hard to give away things over YouTube, so we give away on Twitch streams because we like that. For more randomness and random topics, you can check out any anime, comic, game, or nerd topics we've done on the RNG. Nerd news, opinions, commentaries. If you have any suggestions, let us know. Click those like buttons, baby. Comment and let us know how you feel here at the RNG on the Legion of Myth. Thank you. And that's about all we have for today. Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, make sure everyone who wants to see a, a small clip of uh c-lab to stick around for after the show we, we forgot to actually uh by the uh, time i realized it. to mention it it was too late i was like oh. it was too late yeah i know i know as soon as soon as you as soon as i was i was reading the opening for your for your comic book i was like damn it i forgot marhawkman says one of the most memorable game modes is realize that freedom force versus the third reich will up the difficulty level without telling if you're stream steamrolling levels yeah it will that's really cool good night pax First playthrough I got the end game, I was like, wow, this level's really staying hard. <laughs> Realized it was, in fact, set to hard. Yeah, that was a, Freedom Force was a great game, man. Ah, oh, really good game. All right, ever remember, Gen Con's coming, 2020, ticket registration, January, do that. Stream schedule, you know it, love it, watch us, every day, Elgarian, 9 a.m., try the Avatar. Monday night, 7, Left 4 Dead. Oh, it's at 7 besides. Left 4 Dead, keep the dog, Elgarian, good times. Minutes of Capitations. Imperion on Thursday, 8.30. And the live stream, Saturday, 9 o'clock. Join the Legion. Join us on Discord. Watch us on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Legion Myth. Follow us on Twitter at Legion Myth. Watch us live on Twitch.tv slash Legion Myth. Get our gear. Impress your friends. Intimidate your enemies. Find love in your Legion of Myth gear at shop.spreadshirt.com slash Legion of Myth. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, what else? What else? Are you, are you still here? I'm here. What? No, no. What else? 73, the, the viewer. What else? 73. Uh, yes. Oh, hey, Vlad Megacheer. Megacheer. Outstanding. Thank you. Uh, the reason I'm asking is because I sent you your prizes, and you should have gotten them yesterday. I want to make sure that you did get them. So go ahead and tell me anything. 
Yeah, thanks for the Megazon. Megazon. Ooh, I like it. Ooh, we're getting Megazon. It's like a, it's like a, like a Godzilla thing going on here. Kaiju action. Thank you, everyone. Remember, you have one life. Live it well. Live it nerdy. And have a great, darn little anomaly.